Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. So, Melinda Arnaz, thank you so much for coming on. I totally did not count us in. I just started, so you guys are the utmost professionals. We were chatting a little bit before, so I was getting really comfortable as if we had already started recording. (laughs) So, Melinda, why don't you introduce yourself to our guests? Yeah. Well, first, I want to say thank you again, girls, because you guys, I just feel like I've been listening to you and can totally relate to your material. So I'm excited to be here. My name is Melinda, and I'm intervention specialist. I currently teach grades K through three in an autism unit. I have taught middle school and high school in the past, so I've done the whole realm. I have always been like an inclusive addict, as I like to call it, <laughs> since I was like, <laughs> I like a kid. That. Yeah, yeah. I just like got involved in a lot of camps for students with unique abilities, starting at 13, and then I just kind of started building from there. I own a nonprofit ice skating program called Gliding Stars of Northeast Ohio, and it's for you know anybody with the unique ability to come skate on the ice and we'll make adaptive equipment to suit them. So we have kids coming in wheelchairs or kids coming, you know, with um, physical ailments. We'll come in and we'll adapt. And then we perform a show at the end of the season with local volunteers who come in and help volunteer with students. So it's like really neat. It's a full circle and it makes you feel really good. So yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a lot more, but you know. Did you like figure skate as a kid? How did you get into the figure skating? I wish. (laughs) No, actually in college they had this program. So we are actually a chapter. The program actually started in Buffalo, New York. So I just volunteered all through college and like fell in love with it. And then when I moved back home, my friend who also volunteered, we got together and we're like, dude, let's just do this. So we went from like 12 skaters to I think this past season we had 36. Whoa. We like really grown. But yeah, then, you know, COVID happened. So we had to kind of not do the show this year, which is sad. But that's so cool. That's so different than like what we're used to for extracurricular activities being in Southern California. Like, I mean, I remember like as a kid, like we had an ice skating rink that was like, you know, 20 minutes away or whatnot, but it wasn't a big thing. Like it isn't, I know it is in other states, but. Oh yeah, it's huge. I mean, hockey's a big sport here too. So we love having those high school hockey boys pair up with our kids. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. Those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really fun. Yeah. From a young age. And I mean, obviously that left an impression on you and then you you chose obviously to be a teacher and see how you could incorporate inclusion but what I love is that it's not just at the school that you're doing it but just also within your community as well which which is what we try to do with air nonprofit and different types of events that we try to do because it is about the community right like at large learning and educating them about all abilities Right. And it's just like a passion, you know, too. Like once you get to know people that are different from you, it's not, I think once you break that barrier and that like fear, maybe it's, it's yeah, so it becomes part of your community. It's not yeah. just a job. So can you tell us a little bit about, cause I know all states, all school districts, even all different schools have different names for positions and like You had said like the unit, can you talk a little bit about what exactly your position as an interventionist, like would it be similar to like a special education teacher or resource teacher, like what to kind of give an idea for our listeners of of what you want to do? Yeah, we have such a unique group. When I first got the job, I mean, I was the intervention specialist, so the special ed teacher. And when I got the job, they said it was, you know, self-contained. 
And then when I met my five kids, I'm like, no way, like, you know, least restrictive environment. These kids are brilliant. They need to be pushed in. And so now we have a really cool hybrid of some in, some out. And I currently like kind of, I turned it into like co-teaching with, you know, I have four different grades. So it's four different teachers of co-teaching. And as you know, like special education teachers don't get breaks anyway. Mm -hmm. It's just like part of their job. But uh, we really, that's kind of what helped form my book that I'm writing about empowering inclusion. It's when you can work together and create that huge team and just accept people for who they are, also embed some social emotional learning. And you know, we, we'll talk about like, it's, I believe it's a universal thing. And I think you guys had um, like Dr. Jackie and Dr. Ryan on talking mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Like once you create that like big universe of awesomeness, then like really good things can happen. So to answer your question, we have this like weird, cool hybrid going on. Well, that's really cool. I love to see teachers who are very innovative. And I think it's good for parents, but also other teachers to hear like your story because I've talked to a lot of teachers who feel so stuck, who feel like they're in a, in a position or in a class where they're, they don't think it's working, but they don't know that they have the power to change it, right? And right. of course, there's always red tape, and it can be scary if you're a new teacher, but oh, like goodness. you just going out and being like, this isn't working, like we need to change it, like yeah. it's that's so amazing. Right, and I think the big key is like building those relationships. Like those four teachers, it did take time. We had to pair up, we had to meet, we had to go over, you know, lesson planning, and I promised them like, I will give them the tools they need to be successful in the classroom. And what we found out, guess what? Like the tools that work for my kids worked for everybody, if not more. Yeah. You know, I always used to pull my kids to t- teach like zones regulation or, and you guys have said this on your podcast too, where I was like, yes, like, <laughs> all of those important social, emotional, like standards and objectives that we just teach our kids. It's really silly. We teach them and then they go back into the gen ed classroom and nobody else knows that language, you know? Right. So if it's universal, they're talking about it. Their teacher's talking about it. And like, they mastered a lot of their goals that way versus like pulling in and out and doing this, like they missed the class, they're with me, they're not, you know. And and we're learning so much more about how the general population of students need to be taught this too. It's not just our unique ability kids, it's it's everyone. It's not being taught emotional intelligence and social emotional learning. We're not embedding it enough, but it's needed for everybody. Right, it's huge. And just seeing the outcomes of like the other kids with our kids, there's no like, and that's what I kind of talked to the teachers about too. It's really not like mine versus yours, it's ours. Mm -hmm. Like getting that vocabulary started early. And then we did a really unique thing that not many special education teachers do is like we opened our doors in our classroom too. So if a couple kids needed a small group, we would just bring the crew or if they need to practice mm-hmm. for musical, you know, I mean, like we had a revolving door too. It wasn't like, you know, just my kids go to my room. We yeah. were really open and I just had a really good, you know, when you have like the perfect dream team, right? like great personalities, everyone is like-minded and it just like, it was a, a miracle year. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And that's I mean, awesome. I think it can start with one person and you were the driving force behind that. And maybe they just didn't know, right? I mean, most often yeah. times the teacher credentialing classes here in California might consist of you taking a special education semester, right? But not really knowing the ins and out, maybe knowing a little bit of about the law or if you have to go to an IEP meeting, like what your expectation may be. Maybe not even that, just that you would be part of it. And, yeah. you know, we find that once the teacher 
the, the special education teacher has that collaboration time with the gen ed teacher, you know, it's not so scary. Because I think that, that uh, people have a lot of fear just around looking stupid or not knowing this. And so then they just don't want to try anything. Um, right. And I think that, you know, when it's top down, so when the students see all the teachers, you know, collaborating and like working together, that's just how the world is, right? Because their world is just so, it's a closed universe, right? So then when they see, you know everybody helping each other and and we were talking about social emotional like intelligence as well like yes that's something that we put into the goals because it's not just about academics but some teachers and I think that a lot of kids will remember like oh this teacher actually we started the day with shaking hands in the fifth grade which is what happened with me right and like these little things that a lot of these teachers that are super creative and innovative and think outside the box kind of implement but then it's just that one teacher that one year right but if you're able to kind of have it so that it's school-wide or something like that I think that goes a long way and that's just so amazing that you were able to accomplish that in a year yeah and it it took a couple years so if anyone's listening out there I said you know you got to build your confidence and really own what you do and then I just think like teachers just realize too you've got to like let your guard down a little and don't some teachers get so protective of their classroom like they're the only ones allowed to teach like you know typically special education teachers are like guests in people's rooms so they get intimidated and you know I mean I've been everywhere so I feel like I was that person that just kind of like was the paper presser out or, or just sat in the back or you know and it took a while to really like no I can help you if you help me you know we work right. together yeah. this is the best yeah. like you just gotta think about what's your goal it's the kids not like right. I don't you don't, you know, I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. Like, this is the end goal, man. Right. So. Did you face any pushback from your administrators at your school when you were trying to implement this program? You know, it was kind of, yeah, at first it was tough because we, you know, we had a couple challenging students where maybe some are more obvious than others. And people assume, you know, I'm sure you guys are used to that too. They just may look at a kid and be like, I'm not working with well, him. Well, the label. You know, yeah, the label. Definitely, yes. Mm-hmm. And I hate that. And I, I know I'm big on like, you treat the kid not based off the label. You treat him like a decent human being like everyone else. So, I mean, it was, yeah, it was tough. So it was a little bit of a pushback, like this isn't going to work. And, you know, you just had to, I just kept fighting for what I believed in and luckily we really awesome teachers yeah that were like no we could do this like the fear was gone you know the wall the power tripping was gone and it just worked yeah it's amazing it's definitely like we need more teachers like you and I'm sure like a lot of general education teachers would love to have a teacher like you at their school to kind of push them I mean yeah because they don't don't know Yeah. 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 We don't get innovation and change without, you know, a little bit of struggle, but we have to be willing to try. I mean, that's the thing that I I always fight the most with IEP teams. I'm just like, let's just try it. You don't know until you try. And like, what's the worst that can happen? Like, that's what I kept saying too. Like, it doesn't work. Kids don't benefit from social emotional learning, even though you're supposed to be teaching it anyway. Like, that was (laughs) the thing at our school too. They just gave these teachers these packets of standards and they're like, all right, go teach. It wasn't the how. And that's, so the big part of my book, too, is the how, not the what. Anybody could read a standard and be like, all right, guys, these are feelings. All right, let's move uh, on. Like, right, right. You know, it wasn't like, what can you do with them? Like, how do we react? And, you know, self-management and self-awareness and none of that. And no no fault to the teachers, you know. They already have a lot on their plate, too. But yeah, I think or- they don't realize, you know, if they do this, like, the academics are going to really <laughs> come. They really Absolutely. need to be, like, well before they can perform for you. Yeah, or the idea that, like, it should be incorporated into the all-day, every-day versus this is our social-emotional learning time, and it's like, right, it's not the same as, 
you know, math time or our reading comprehension time. It's not the same because it should be incorporated into all aspects of our day because we feel in all aspects of our day. So we need to learn how to manage them. Right. And I don't know why that's like kind of frowned upon or pushed aside. I know a lot of teachers do complain. It's just more morphing, you know, I have to deal with, but it's ridiculous. Like, is it so, it's just think of like your job and your life. Like that is the number one important thing. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Communicate and develop relationships. And, and I think just kind of looking back, you know, and picking out the teachers that, you know, were able to kind of incorporate and like talk to us like humans or the ones that stick out the most, right? And I think that send a powerful message, even if it was like a quote of the day, or like I said, like the handshake, like it's, you know, what is the importance of a handshake? Like, why do people handshake, you know, and just, and breaking it down and making it fun, you know, that this COVID time, you know, I, I always see like all this information about like kids learn in different ways. And like, you could, you know, just by cooking and by singing and, you know, and you think, oh gosh, with older kids, how am I supposed to do that? And it's just... Even talking about your feelings as a parent, right, is not a form of weakness or anything like that. It's kind of showing them like, wow, I'm really frustrated right now. You know, what can I do to get me out of this? Like, can I take a walk? Okay, why don't we take a walk, you know, and being able to kind of, like Amanda was saying, seamlessly incorporate it. It's nice to think of it as, okay, the first 10 minutes of the day, we're going to start with this, but not just leave it there. And it sounds like, you know, through, you know, and nobody knows everything. And what I cherish is the aspect of collaboration, because, you know, Amanda and I can be doing this the same amount of time this being the law but we've had so many different experiences that we can talk to oh this is how I would do this or this is how we should do this or I've heard that before and this is what happened in my case and I think that when teachers are able to feel comfortable and do that like instead of being in their own little classroom I think it opens up I mean that's what Pinterest is about right like you go on Pinterest and you can figure out like a hundred million things which is great so what I am really excited about is your book so if you want to, do you want to kind of talk about a little bit more about how you structured it sure. and like the, the intent and purpose? Yeah, definitely. And um, I really got started. This just happened like a couple, like maybe three months ago. I got really driven to do it because of uh, the successful inclusive year we had working with all those teachers and paraprof- So a little backstory real quick before yeah. I get into it, but it's, I work with like a crazy amount of people. So communication and collaboration is like huge to like get this to be successful. So like we have like every therapist you could think of who work with my kids. So like speech, OT, behavior, physical therapy. And then we also, I work with four paraprofessionals in my unit as well. And then four gen ed teachers, plus like eight of those special teachers, you know, art, music, gym, because we go in with our kids there too. Yeah. So, and then administration and then, you know, so it's huge. Like our world is like huge. So with their help, I just feel like this year has been super successful. So with that structure, I was like, okay, there's like kind of a magic to this, you know, like I really wish everybody could feel this way or like see the success and other teachers that didn't have our kids or have our model you know, started coming up to me and asking like, hey, can you come teach iMessages to my classroom or zones? Mm. So seeing that spike of interest too, like these teachers, some of them are really like yearning for this kind of like tools and help. And so I was like, all right, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I have so many ideas. I already, you know, have a ton listed. I actually presented at Milestones National Autism Conference just this June on like our results, like in our lessons that we did and like how it benefits all students, not just mine versus yours. 
Yeah, so my book, this empowering inclusion is the title right now, in case I change my mind, um, <laughs> through um, social emotional learning. And then I have so many like special education strategies and like unique, like a weird twist to lessons and things like that. I feel like I've always been really like outside of the box when it comes to lessons. So I would, I want to really share it with other teachers too. So in the, my book, I kind of go over like my little background just so they can get kind of comfortable with me first, right? Building relationships is like always the key. So mm-hmm. I kind of explain that too, like, you're not just going to jump yep. right in and buy whatever I say without yeah. getting to know me. So we do that. And then we kind of take you through like the history of special education. Because again, not too many gen ed teachers know like how it got started. No, and yeah. It's a law. So it's brief. It's not like boring or anything. Like I try to make it fun, <laughs> and, like lighthearted too. It's not a textbook. And then it kind of goes into the history of like social emotional learning. So then they get the two. And then it goes into like how when you intertwine them, like magic can happen. But you also need that communication piece. So I put in there like a big section of how you should work well with a team. Like here's some activities you can do to get to know each other. Again, I think of all the staff meetings I've been to and I never once like had the opportunity to sit down with my teachers and really get to know them. It was just kind of like, all right, you guys are together. It's going to be like the how to guide. Yes. It's like a for dummies type. (laughs) Like everything you're saying right now is like, I wish every time I had a IEP team where I'm trying to push for inclusion and I'm trying to get everyone on board. Like I wish I had your book and was like, here. That's just so what I, I need to hear. Wait until this book comes oh. out. I'm just gonna start recommending it because this is like exactly oh what you need. Yeah, and there's no nothing out there like it. You know, I mean, there's not. And because even if you get to the point where you've gotten the team to buy into it, right? You got mm-hmm. everyone saying, "Okay, we'll try it." What's next, right? Like right. I can say I've had these kids included, and we've done X, Y, and Z, but I'm not a teacher, and I'm also not going to be in the classroom. I'm going to be leading, right? I'm going to lead the site. Yes. And this is important for like RBTs and BCBAs and like even just the art teacher or science teacher or anybody. You know, think of those special teachers that have our kids that typically don't come with an aid. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes they barely get an IEP and they're expected to like, you know, incorporate all this stuff. So yeah, so it's really exciting. So it's kind of like that. And then I go into like personality types. So like those typical personality types that you see in teachers. And mm-hmm. I've done some research too, like the quiet teacher or the I'm better than you teacher or, you know, the tired, I don't want to go to professional development teachers mm-hmm. and like how you and strategies to work with those. So I do think a lot of new mm-hmm. teachers coming in get paired up with an experienced teacher and, you know, it's just, they're thrown in without knowing. And I feel like so much magic could happen if they just had that time together. You know, so yeah, like, that, that you know, communication is a big thing. I mean, I oh, think good. in many professions, people will have like continuing education on how to best work with a team. And I think a lot of companies, like big companies will have yes. on that, like, right, how to work with a small group or work with your boss or how to work with a difficult, like, coworker. I don't necessarily see that as much happening in schools, but you're completely right. Mm-hmm. All of these people that are working together, you need to be able to collaborate and communicate. Right. Um, how else are we teaching the kids to communicate better with their peers if we're not doing it as adults? Definitely. And again, I think it's part of that power tripping thing. You know, there are some teachers that, like, I know a couple special ed teachers that won't even share their kids' IEP goals with their paraprofessionals, which I don't understand because I'm like, how are they yeah. you're working with them almost right. more than you? How, right. How exactly. are you, how are you not? Right. Well, you know, and it's really interesting, too, because you can tell when you go into an IEP team meeting and, like, you know, who knows who, the clicks that may, yeah. you know, but then you see better results between the speech and language pathologist and the teacher because they're friends and they, like, are able to, like, share things. Yeah. And so when, yeah, you're a new teacher and you don't know what's up, 
or even if you're, you know, been a teacher for a while and you want there to be a change, you know, that's very intimidating. And so being able to kind of provide the different personality types and then kind of strategies, which I'm sure, you know, a lot of the administrators don't just randomly become administrators, you know, they started as teachers or school site or whatever. And so then, right, you know, that can work for so many different people that are uh, usually part of an IEP team, for instance. But, you know, I always have to say, you know, this is an IEP team, you know, so we have to work together. Because if I'm asking the speech and language pathologist, well, do you think you need 30 more minutes of speech and language to have this kid reach this goal and they're like well it's an IEP team decision I'm like no you're the expert yeah, so you need right. to tell us whether or not this is needed and or, we need to listen to yeah, you yeah and we need mm-hmm. to listen to you you know that's not the point same with school psychologists sometimes they're like well it's an IEP team decision to you know but then it's like if the kid doesn't qualify they're like oh well that's what this you know school psychologist said and it was just like yeah but then when right. I want an, a secondary eligibility or something else you're like oh well it's an IEP team decision so it's like which one so this is yeah. a great strategy I think on so many different levels of like this is how you can get started it is overwhelming it seems like it but that's with anything new right it seems overwhelming the process Mm -hmm. definitely and then with that too I was actually gonna I have a graph in my head I look at it as like all puzzle pieces maybe making a heart like visually Mm -hmm. I want this book to be so maybe that's a special I didn't mean like (laughs) I want it to be visually appealing I want it to be accommodating like I want it to be everything that I yeah you know so, like, I have a chart of, like, the entire team and their roles. Because I've worked with Jenna teachers that don't understand what Amazing. speech and pathology, like, Amazing. does. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So be like, yeah, why, what is she doing in my room? Why is she just sitting back there? Oh, no, she's observing and taking notes and, like, listening to his, like, social communication with his friends. Right. Like, there's purpose. So just, like, a big graph of, like, all their roles well, and then in the middle and what they have in common. You know, oh, like, yeah. yeah. And that's you know, so like, important. important. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah, so like, important, too, because, yeah, these, no, even, like, I know people who have been teachers or speech therapists for, like, ever, and they don't necessarily even know what someone else on the team is doing, and, like, why are we not, like, I, it always follows my mind how many times when I get involved with a team, I'm the first person to suggest a communication system between the team. Why am I as an that's outsider, crazy. isn't that insane? The one that's proposing that you guys should yeah. talk to each other. Right. Outside like, of IEP meetings. Yeah. It's 2020. There's like yeah. I list that too. There's like a billion ways to communicate. It's yeah. not just like yeah. verbal. Right. Like, there's right. apps. There's like yeah. Right. Like yeah. there's everything. Yeah. I know. Yeah, and I always get the pushback of, oh well, if that takes so much time if we do that for every IP. And I go. If you did it on a regular basis, it wouldn't take you that long. It would be right. Yeah, seconds. but then writing in 15 to 20 minutes of consult, and I'm like, you guys aren't actually, like, there's a difference between writing it because you have to write it and, like, actually doing it and making it meaningful, and that's what's frustrating sometimes, too, because right. we'll have this in an IEP, and then we'll just, like, yeah, what's going on? And they're just like, oh, well, no, like, I didn't get a chance to talk to them, or, like, da-da-da, and it's just like, what's the point? I'm not trying to put in here that you have to talk to this person if you're not going to do it. Like, you have to actually right. talk, and there has to be right. some benefit it because you just putting it down just makes it seem like oh no we got that covered because that's the training and it's just like well what are you doing 15 minutes every month that's training oh well, that's on our like personal and it's just like you guys yeah, this yeah. Is well, not, yeah. Even, not even just that part but just yeah. being able to talk about like how the kid is doing like how often do we have a child who's working on handwriting where the occupational therapist will show samples and they've never talked to anybody else about how their handwriting is in the classroom, in uh, the therapy, in any of And so then the parent is sitting there 
because they get all of the samples and they go, I have this from OT that looks great, but I have this from homework that looks awful, and I have this other one from my test that is, I can't even read it, right? And so then you're like, why, why is it that the OT is sitting here saying, oh, well, this is what I think the kid can do, but in reality, they should know how they're doing in another setting. So it just, it all right. the time when, like, questions like that are asked and, like, I'm talking to each other. Like, yeah. And, like, especially with OT, it's funny you said that because, like, I, like, that's, like, one of my biggest pet peeves, too. Like, sorry, there's handwriting throughout, like, every subject. It shouldn't yes. only be when he's with his occupational therapist. Right. And they, right. and a lot of the teachers, too, will, like, throw that OT under the bus. They'll be like, well, how did he do with you? Like, how's this fine motor? And it's like, you should go, too. You're working with him just with yes. them more. She's yes. here once a week. Come on. Yeah. Like, ugh. Right. Yeah, and I think right. at the end of the day, it's not anybody's one burden to carry if you even think of it as a burden, right? But if you think of it as we got to get this rock up this hill, it's going to be a heck of a lot easier together, right, to move that rock to the top. And that's what I feel like a lot of times with some members is that this isn't on me. Like, this isn't my burden. I don't want to, you know, deal with this. And like that is the wrong attitude and that to me means like you shouldn't even be in this line of work if that's how you feel about it and maybe that's you need somebody to tell you that and that's okay maybe being a teacher you know is not what it should be for you and that's okay but don't punish the kid right or the parent that is just trying to ask questions you know oftentimes we see parents ostracized or even labeled themselves you know as a priority parent or whatever and it's just like they're really just trying to ask questions and they're not getting the answer that are actually answering the questions that they have. And they may be saying this, but they actually mean this. And, And Amanda says this all the time too, is that, you know, I don't think you're taking the time to ask not even the right question, just any question. You're just like, well, that's how it is. And then you're able to kind of really hear yeah. what's going on. Right. And, you know, Amanda and I always say we're counselors in every sense of the word. And it's really, that's sad because for the first time, you know, we understand what the parent is saying. And the team really should be the first people that understand the parent and they don't. Right. Yeah. I know. And I think parents just want, like, I feel like when I go to mine, I am like super real. You know, some like teachers will have their like whole setup and it's just kind of fake. I feel like I go in and I'm like, listen, this is like, I'm so like more probably than I need to be. But like, I think that's what parents need and that's what they want, you know? Absolutely. Well, they don't want the same way like lawyers get a bad rap because a lot of lawyers speak legalese. And so everyone's just like, oh, I don't know what you're saying. Right. And like, we try to break things down for our clients, but like I feel like school psychologists and teachers and some even other professionals don't realize that they're doing the same thing. It may not be legalese, but it's educationese, right? It's right. speaking a different language and you have to be able to relate to the person you're talking to because that's the communication breakdown nine times out of 10 Absolutely. is I'm right. saying one thing and you're not understanding what I'm saying, Absolutely. but we're not understanding that we're not understanding what each other's right. right, right, so, exactly. Yeah. It's like those fake relationships. Like I hate them. So I feel yeah. like all my parents, like I'm so close with, cause I feel like that's the, I mean, how else are you going to get anything it, done? Like exactly. they're trusting you with their child, like all, you know, all year, all day, like 
Absolutely. Right. Yes. Melinda, crazy. like, honestly, we could oh, yeah. talk to you all day. Like, Wait, this yeah. is amazing. Know, and like, like, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, no, of course. <laughs> and, and I want to make sure, like, to have you back on, like, launch your book. Because oh, yeah. I know yes. that'll be in the wintertime. We're in the fall. But anyway, yes, please finish, like, and... Yeah, and, yeah. hopefully it'll be all nice and clean then. Yeah. Um, so then after going over, like, the roles, then we get into the social-emotional lessons. And I break it down mm-hmm. with the five, you know, competencies, like, from Castle. those self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationships, and then that decision making so I have like the five main you know social emotional key points and then under those five I have three really good like how-to lessons like three Mm. it could totally be 45 minutes or it could be five minutes like really how to so it involves like zones of regulation eye messaging you know empathy building kindness relationship building like all the main main lessons that I've come up with and taught with kids so the unique part about that is like I also list probably 10 to 20 activities that don't take any time at all that maybe teachers are doing. So I'm thinking about making it like a checklist. So after each section, Mm -hmm. it kind of challenges teachers or interventionists or art teachers like, all right, which ones do you do now? Which ones do you want to add? What lesson can you implement? Just to kind of keep them responsible, you know? And like kick it up a notch. Yeah, and kick it up a notch. Because if they're already doing it and it's just like, oh, but then say this. And then it's right. like, oh, okay. And like you said, accountability, right? Because then at least you yeah. could look back and you'd be like, you know what? I did do this. Tomorrow I'm going to go back to it because I forgot this. But blah, 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 blah. That, I, right. I love checklists. <laughs> and it's so simple. Like I want it to be, you know, visually appealing, easy, easy to read too. And then after each lesson, I put my personal story in because like sometimes I hate getting lesson plans because it's so like dry and textbooky and there's no relationship to the person who's mm-hmm. giving it to me now. It's very basic. So it's very accommodating, open-ended. Here's your potential materials. He's here's potential books that work and I categorize it by grade you know like K through three middle school and high school so that way it can awesome. really work for I'm trying to make it all K through 12. So I love that because you know, giving I, them options yeah and so they're in control and the relationship <laughs> yeah. building I really appreciate because like yes I you can tell me something and like I'll be like okay but then I'll start thinking about it right and I'm just like well why is that I was talking to one of our interns and you know obviously with the whole covid situation a lot of them have to go online and they've been having these town hall meetings and they just weren't being spoken to like adults right like they're students but they're like adults they're almost attorneys and i was telling her you know i really wish that they had just kind of spoken to you like we don't know or even if it was like hey you know tuition went up why did it go up and instead of them being like well you know they're so you know they could have been like you know what we'll get back to you on that because guess what ended up happening you got a bunch of kids that are now going to be attorneys and they're looking up everything I even called them kids they're not kids they're in their 20s and they're like okay well I just found the budget and this virtual town hall just became a mess right and that's just the relationship being deteriorated right so if you were to tell me do this and let me give you a little story about why I think that this works. Right. And then you the put why. that in. I'm like, yeah. okay, awesome. Yeah. Like, I will really not I, question. I think the why and the how is yes. what's so important. I think it's going to be great as like, a, like I said, like a practical manual because it's yeah. one thing to say you should do X, Y, and Z. It's another to be able to understand how you do it because right. just because I'm being told to do something doesn't mean I know how to mm-hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. Right. And like every class is different too. And I see that over and over. And then I give tips. Like if you're doing like your related novel for the year, like let's say you're doing Romeo and Juliet, like pull Juliet out and be like, man, how do you think she's feeling right now? What's a proper reaction? Do you think it was okay? What happened to Romeo? You know, like it's so easy to incorporate. We know. And that's what I, that's how we talk. 
right? Like that's how we're just like, and how did that make you feel? Yeah, exactly. And just because it's a book, it doesn't mean that it's not relevant, you know, and it could get them to start thinking differently. Cause I, I know a lot of people, they're just like, well, I can't do that. Like, you know, and it's just like, well, try just one little baby step. Right. So maybe your story inspires something else in them. Because I think a lot of time, I think over the summer during this pandemic, you know, a lot of people were focused on like getting that quarantine body tight and like baking bread and like all this stuff. And like, it was just like so overwhelming. Right. But I think it was just like, maybe that inspired you to try something different. Right. Or like, then I started seeing like a how to's and I was like, Oh, maybe making your own bread isn't that hard or whatever. Right. And, and I think that that's, what's so great. I love it to be visually appealing because I'm a multi-sensory. I think everybody's a multi-sensory learner, but then even the story, like you said, the, the relate, like, you are just a teacher that has had these experiences, just like we are attorneys that have had these experiences and we have this podcast and the point is to start the conversation. And, you know, the second half that I think you are fulfilling and that Amanda and I will hopefully get to is the the call of action, right? Like here is the information and here's the action. And I think that that's what we are trying to do with starting the conversation because we felt that there was a, a need for that, whether you're a teacher or you're just... Amanda's friend listening to the podcast, you know, that in human resources or whatever, right? Right. Um, So that's what really inspires us. And we would love to have you back on after you kind of launch. And then I feel like it's going to be a great opportunity. Like Vicki and I have this thing where we think of ideas for other people (laughs) and we'd love to give advice, even though we're not teachers. But I feel like you would do really well with like a Facebook group for teachers to like share their experiences too, right? Because you have yes. this knowledge that you're going to put in your book. But like, what if you had other teachers that t- took your book and then used it and they could say, this is what I did. And like, the people are talking about it, the more exposure and the more like ideas, right? Because some, some people are not as creative as others, right? So some people right. need to take something and then make it their own and other times I'm just gonna do what you're doing because I believe it works right right right. which yeah that's the point and then I put toolboxes in there too after each lesson so if you want to like the key to these lessons too is to keep using it not just do one and done so like yeah I give so many toolbox options so like whether it's hanging up like colored squares to represent zones or whether it's you know having a sign about feelings or breathing exercises or anything that teachers can add to their rooms with like not a lot of work you know yeah I think that's key and then I also include challenging questions so I just kept thinking mm-hmm. of those teachers in mind that are going to be like well I don't want to work with yes. her you know, or some, just yes. one of those like you know all those challenging questions that come with inclusion so I put that in the back of the book just as like a hey if this happens do this and then I thought of adding a dictionary like an inclusion dictionary mm-hmm. there's so many right You've there's so many everything yes I, I love know. it so this is like a compacted so it's like LGBT whether it's like about race oppression anything that's awesome. inclusion related especially a full page of sped acronyms you know love. accommodations yeah like yeah, teachers need that, and they don't. Yeah, have how it, do we sadly. get you into the curriculum for teachers? Like, I just don't understand. Like, yes, <laughs> we need you. to talk I'm to you. That's like my next like calling. Like, we I was need like, to yes, like talk to you. We got to connect you with Dr. Jackie. Well, like, you got to get all these out. people. I mean, like, I would love that. 
We'll, we'll be your first stop on your book tour. Yeah. yeah <gasps> Thanks, yeah. guys. That would be so exciting. When things, when, whatever, we'll, we'll, whether things go well, back to normal or whatever, yeah. Forever, and yes. we'll have you back on. Yeah. Perfect. Just keep us posted on, like, when the book's coming out, and we'll get all the information for our listeners. But um, if any teachers or parents are listening right now and might want to just pick your brain, if you're okay with this, on just, either your inclusive program that you created or how to start that how can they get in touch with you yeah well I just started so again like it it has some viewers but I did open up an Instagram account and I hope to you know open up the Twitter and the Facebook too with the name inclusion solution Ah, I I was excited because that one was available. Yeah, and it's catchy. So that might be the title of my book, too. (laughs) I I mean, that works, too. Oh, yeah. It kind of works. That would be great. Okay, Um, we'll include that in the show notes. It will tag you so that everybody knows. So go look you up. We'll go follow you. And we'll definitely figure out the next time, once you're done with the book and and it's launched, we'll have you back on. Perfect. Thanks so much for having me, like, pre-book launch. So thank you for coming (laughs) on. We're so excited to see the fruits of your labor which which i'm sure is just gonna be so sweet yeah yeah thank you thank you melinda and we hope you guys thoroughly enjoyed that book i know i did and yeah so we'll talk to you guys later see ya Bye. bye